Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Bet It Right show in conjunction with betitright.com, which is a brand new website that brings the football data to your door. Each week, we'll update you on the key numbers and metrics that you can use to help you show off in front of your mates and allow you to bet better. So make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast, but also get involved with us at betitright.com. My right-hand man is with me again this week, football expert Dean Selby, who's best bet of the week copped last week. So thank you for that, Dean. Good to see you. How's your week been? It's been a lot better than last week, as we chatted last week about my beautiful team from Goodison Park. Uh, they listened to the pod. Damari Gray took my words of encouragement on board and smashed in a late winner against Arsenal. So it was a hell of a, a lot better week this week than it was last week from a personal perspective. But uh, yeah, and it was also good in a painful way to see Liverpool eat, uh, you know, set a new record for winning six out of six Champions League uh, group games. You know, well done to Liverpool. Well done. You don't, you don't mean that at all. I do. It comes from the bottom of my heart, you know, the bottom of my dark blue heart. But, yeah. uh, you touched on um, that Champions League performance from from Liverpool. I guess the big news in Europe this week was Barcelona not getting out of the group stage for the first time, probably since we were born, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, just another sort of example, I guess, that the, the wheels have come off at Barcelona a bit recently. Yeah, we talked about... Javi in our first podcast and we were talking about how he needs a centre forward and he's got a lot of young players and he needs to try and knit them together and I think we're seeing that and the last thing you need in your last group game is Bayern to, you know, or to roll into Bayern's town and to get rolled over as many teams do and I think it will take to the end of the season, just get them through, have a look at the squad, get rid of a few players, you know, will Coutinho stay? Is he ever going to really fulfil that price tag of over 100 million? Probably not. And yeah, Everyone's just going to give him time. But I think much like Lampard had at Chelsea up until his demise, he'll get a bit of time there because he's a club legend and the club's in, like you said, the most turmoil that it's ever been in for many years. So it'll be an interesting one to watch unfold. And if he can bring them back to that greatness, I mean, what an unbelievable story that'll be. Well, speaking of Barcelona, we asked for score predictions on our um, BIR Insights account. And there was one of you that got it right. Well, and Gary Sinclair, who got that right. 3-0, of course, to Bayern Munich. And you correctly predicted that score. So congratulations to you. I think at some stage, given how many people get involved, we should start to hand out prizes for this. What do you reckon, Dean? A mug, a T-shirt? I think, uh, you know... I think people would love to wake up on a Monday morning feeling a bit tired after the weekend and have a nice hot coffee out of a bed it right mug. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah, I think that's a very good idea. Right, we'll get to work on that. Um, but for now, just a well done, Gary. <laughs> have to keep entering in the future. Um, <laughs> mugs on its, the mug's on its way, Gary. Just give us... <laughs> I promise him that. We don't have any mug. Three, we'll three or four months postage. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them. Um I should just say, actually, not only do we ask for score predictions on the VR Insights account, there's a, there's a whole host of information. I'm sure plenty of people listening to this will already follow, but it's a must-follow account because not only do they um, post and tweet about the key information, um, they also post uh, and tweet about tips, and they have been on absolute fire, and the team behind that account deserve an awful lot of credit because it has very quickly established itself as a have-to-follow account if you want to to make it a winning betting weekend. 
um, if you like. But as, as well as that, if you want to gain access to all the numbers, the data, the player and team info and metrics yourself, then you can because all you've got to do is head to betterride.com and sign up. It's free to sign up and you'll get access to all the information that the pros use to help them bet better. So do that. Sign up to betterride.com. Follow us on Twitter at BIR Insights. We've also got a BIR Prompts page as well. And hopefully uh, you can um, use that information, um, as I say, to help you bet better. Right. That's set up uh, episode three. Should we get on with it, Dean? Let's do it. Okay, let's kick things off with our Premier League preview. And Dean, an obvious place to start is the return of Stevie G to Anfield. Yeah, what a day. What a day for him. This will be the day that he's been he's been waiting for since he retired playing. And he probably would have hoped that he'd been stood in the opposite dugout for his first return to Anfield. But he's he's done a great job, obviously, at Rangers. And now he's he's moved to Villa. Three wins and one loss in his first four games. And that loss coming against Man City, which is never a bad thing for any manager. But he must be really excited and I bet he can't wait for this fixture. I was speaking to a Villa fan and they said it's not Aston Villa anymore, it's Gerrard's Villa. They've changed their name in the last four games. But um, have they changed their style? Are the numbers speaking sort of pretty favourably? How do they set up a, a, under him? Very similar to Rangers. And funnily enough very similar to Liverpool. Now, some people would think that he has a big plan in place, maybe, for the future. I mean, what could that plan be? But yeah, very <laughs> similar to Liverpool. Uh, play a, a narrow 4-3-2-1 with the wingers pinched in, very similar to how Salah and Mane play for Liverpool. Uh, they don't have the energy in the press, but when they look to play forward, if uh, Ollie Watkins plays at centre-forward, he'll drop in a little bit like Firmino does, or when Yota plays there. And they'll look to get runners off the line. And Matty Cash and Matt Target or Ashley Young provide the width in wide areas. So it's very, very similar to how Liverpool plays. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Connect. I mean, obviously, this is a potentially a sort of naive question, but but given the way Liverpool play and, and, and given what you're saying, that there's sort of two similar styles here. I mean, I've, I've seen and we spoke about how Wolves approached Liverpool and they did a very good job at nearly sort of containing and stopping Liverpool, were it not for a last-minute winner that they would have done. Do you think what Aston Villa and the way Aston Villa will play is the best way to to stop Liverpool, almost playing them at their own game? Or, or do you think we will once again see Liverpool and their, uh, and their attack run riot? Well, as with every game at Anfield, the first 10 minutes will be key. The crowd will be going crazy anyway because Gerrard's back. The players will be pumped up. The Liverpool players, the Villa players, I'm sure the chat in the changing room before the game will be, you know, it's just a regular game and everyone will be thinking, yeah, right Oh, So I'm expecting the first 10 minutes like Anfield normally to be crazy. Um, Marvellous Nakamba and the guys in midfield for Villa, Douglas Louise, John McGinn, they'll have a really, really important job to protect that little pocket in front of two centre-halves that I think are quite vulnerable in, in Mings and Konza if they play. That space in behind, Liverpool can exploit. Um, Liverpool do a great job of overloading, overloading midfield, especially from the left, with the right central midfielder tucked in so they can release Trent Alexander-Arnold on the, on the right. And I thought Villa might change for the, for the City game, but they actually played very similar. Two wingers tucked in, they gave them space on the outside. And actually, City were very, very good on the outside. Sterling 1v1 against Matty Cash. 
was was kind of the main area they looked to exploit. And Villa, if you look at the heat maps on the Bet It Right website, Villa tend to favour the left and Liverpool tend to favour the right. So actually, if you want to get at Liverpool, you need to exploit the space that Trent Alexander-Arnold leaves because his recovery runs aren't as quick as Robertson on the left. And with Villa favouring the left and Liverpool favouring the right, you know, it could be a really interesting game. That wide area is going to be key. I think the Liverpool press is, is way better than Villa. Villa are a team that will give up the ball if they get pressed hard. And the first 15, 20 minutes of this game, it could explode. When you look at Mo Salah, and obviously we've had the conversation, I mean, I think every football fan's had the conversation about him this season. We'll, we'll touch on him in more detail yeah. about his impact for Liverpool compared to other players in the league a little bit later on in the podcast. But he's obviously smashing out the numbers. And a Liverpool just on every sort of offensive metric doing the best things in the league, if you like. Yeah, the guy, well, the guys at Bennett Right Insights, like you said earlier, our, our fantastic colleagues that have been doing such a great job. They posted a tweet earlier this week just highlighting that the top three in the league for XG are Salah, Yotta, and Mane. And that, that speaks volumes. You know, Salah's number one across shots, goals, XG assists, key passes. And they've just been an absolute monster. They squeezed it out against Wolves. We talked about it last week. We said it would be a tight game. They managed to get over the line. Uh, you know, Villa's XG has gone up with Stevie G. It's up to one and a half from 1.09. But it's their away form and their defensive work away from home that needs to improve. Season to date, they've given up almost 1.7 goals, 1.68 from 1.6 XG. And that's really what needs to improve. And... When you go into Anfield, Stevie G returning, if you've got a poor defensive record, that's really not the place you want to be. So I could see, you know, I'm predicting that this game is going to be open end-to-end. Aston Villa aren't great defensively. Liverpool will go at them. And I think this will be a really open game. So now I'm going to ask you for your betting advice in this game. And I'm guessing it's going to feature goals. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would, I'm going to put it out there and say that the Liverpool and over two and a half market in a combined bet, you're looking at around eight to 15 in the early prices for that. Uh, Liverpool's no value unless you want to bet on the handicap. The overs, two and a half is no real value. If you want to go big and go over three and a half potentially. But I think combining those two bets is a, is a wise move because I can't see Liverpool not winning the game. and I can't see there being minimal goals here. Another outside market to consider would be the corners. Liverpool have 6.55 on average at home and they give up 3.61, which gives an average of over 10. And Villa are positive on the corners front as well, 5.56 against 5.17. Again, uh, over 10 and close to 11. So you could potentially throw in a little 10 and a half corners bet into that and make a little mini Acker bet builder. And that would return you two to one at current prices. So, yeah, loads of corners. Because we're saying there's loads of wide play, it should be opportunities for crosses and deliveries for both teams, uh, runs in behind, potential recovery tackles. Um, one little thing for Villa, for the fans to look out for when they're checking the teams is, I predict that they may pay Matt Target left back and Ashley Young left midfield to give a little bit more protection on that right-hand side. If they do that, then it could be a, a small tweak. Um, but yeah, for me, Liverpool overs. And if you're being brave, chuck a corner's betting as well. Love it. Thank you very much. I think he'll get an incredible reaction, won't he, when he makes his way out of the, the, the dressing room. and on his oh, It's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant, that, actually. I can just, I can, whenever I hear Gerard and Anfield, 
it's that volley when he comes in. I think it was Andy Gray was like, you beauty or something like that, you know, when he came he, in and crashed it into the corner. What, what was the what was the commentary again? <laughs> was that it? <laughs> well, I'm not sure it was that, but it, it was a good effort if it was. I was just thinking, <laughs> are you actually a Liverpool fan? <laughs> you sort of well, remember these iconic moments and you were pleased to see them win six out of six. I went to Atletico Madrid to watch him in the Champions League. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm colorblind. I don't know, but True you know, colors coming through. I know, I, I know. That. Like Jamie Carragher once said, "If you cut me, I bleed red." Well, so does everyone, Jamie. Yeah, and he's an Everton fan. <laughs> he is, yeah. But on the inside, uh, blue. You know, on the inside. All right. Okay. Well, we won't tell your Everton friends about your true colours quite yet. Um, thank you very much. That's a look at Liverpool versus Villa, one of the big games coming up in the Premier League this weekend. Right, the next game we're take, uh, taking a look at is going to be Leicester against Newcastle, who gained their first win of the season uh, last weekend. Um, Dean, what have you got for us in this game, do you think? Well, I had lots of initial thoughts, which is still there, but with the news coming out about Leicester's players and the Napoli game and you know, the seven first teams with COVID, three staff missing because of COVID. Definitely something to consider, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But from a style matchup perspective, with recent games since Howe took over, Newcastle looked like a massively overish team, giving up loads and loads of chances, especially against Arsenal. Aubameyang, close your eyes. Uh, and also Leicester were, were really good against Villa in the first half. Outstanding, really dynamic. Movement's great. Got Madison back in the 10, which really looks like it suits them. Obviously, Pats and Daka played there with Vardy rested. But Harvey Barnes from the left, Adam Ola-Lutman from the right. You know, a really dynamic team. And they've also brought uh, Keenan Dewsbury-Hall into centre midfield, who's more of a passer, to slide those little pocket balls into uh, into James Madison. So I, I could I could see this game. Even though Newcastle games since how took over have, have all been unders, under the 2.5 market. I think this this game is one that's really going to blow up. Actually, it's interesting what we were saying. I think pretty much maybe it was the week the week after he took over, but Stone, I think it was ahead of his first game on the touchline. That's right. That what we're seeing from him is, is what we saw from him at Bournemouth. Is that right? And is that sort of continuing to be borne out? Yeah, he's he's putting all of the Newcastle attacking players on the pitch and he's, go, he's going to try and win games. The the Norwich game was derailed by the early red card for Clark. The Burnley game was a little bit disrupted because the injury to Maxwell Cornet kind of made Burnley a little bit less expansive. And but that, you know, that's a game where you know they they squeaked out the win. And obviously against Arsenal, they were dominated, gave up loads of chances. But the key to this game is trying to get in behind Leicester. You know, Johnny Evans and Kaglar Sanchu are not the most mobile of centre-backs. And with Wesley Fofana missing this season, they've been massively exposed. And if they can get St. Maximum higher up the pitch instead of coming really deep to look for the ball and travel, uh, use Joe Linton as sort of a, I, I guess, you know, just a fixed concrete post in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> that can run around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you just stand there and, and just attract people to you so we can get Almer in, in off the side, Callum Wilson to attack crosses and, and St. Maximum, you know, to do what he does best, which is to be really dynamic. And if you can get people running at Johnny Evans, if you can get people running behind Johnny Evans, then, you know, Leicester will give up chances. So I can see this being a game that if Newcastle go front foot and go after it 
it's, it's a game that will really open up and I, I think there'll be lots of chances at both ends here. Uh, and, and one thing I, I've noticed as a sort of casual observer, if you like, um, with regards to Newcastle, specifically. Come on, Ollie, you're, 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 you're more than a casual observer. I'm, Don't be so hard on yourself. I'm not a casual observer about football, but I, I'd say probably from afar, just with regards to Newcastle, when I see them set up, is that Eddie Howe seems to be messing around with a few different formations. So what is the formation to best that he could use to, to be most effective in the areas that you think he needs to be most effective in? Against I think Manchester. in this game... He went three four three against Brentford. He's messed around four two three one. Kind of Leicester, if they if they play their favoured formation, which they've come back, you know, they mixed around with three at the back this season. Then they've gone back to four two three one. Madison in the pocket, depending on what comes away from the Napoli game, whether there's any more COVID infections. If they look to play that formation, I think Newcastle will probably set up in a four four two. Saint Maximan is the second centre forward, but dropping into pockets to receive and kind of stretching. The, the two centre-halves, they'll try and work the ball into wide areas, try and cut inside and get behind Leicester uh, and look to deliver crosses from wide areas. Anything that can get in and around in front of Soyuncu and Evans, get them lap, moving laterally, having to go to the ball and then turn and run in behind, which St. Maximum can do really well. That's where you're going to expose Leicester. But Newcastle really have to get him higher up the pitch. They did it more against Burnley. Uh, where they were successful. When he gets bored and drops in and comes really deep, that's when they lack that threat. And they really need to play up against those two centre-halves because that's where they can really exploit Leicester here. Um, in, a, in a former life, I presented a, a podcast called Studs Up with Charlie Austin. And we had an episode on with, with John Joe Shelby. And he said that of all the players in the Newcastle squad, and this probably won't surprise many people, that he, he singled out one person. But he said Sam Maximan, he thought was good enough to play for any club in Europe, any club around the world. He said he was that good. Um, and he, he is their sort of heartbeat, isn't he, in many ways, both for the fans and for the players. Yeah, he. we mentioned it before. You know, he he reminds us of the old days where they had the flair players, the journalists, the Espriers, back when a lot of our listeners may, you know, may never have been born. That tells you how old I am. But, you know, with the headband, with the front flips, with the tricks, he's the guy that brings the energy. He's the guy that excites them. But then you've got workers technical workers like Miggy Almiron, who mm. doesn't get as many plaudits and his goals and assists as maybe his performances warrant. But again, he's been a fantastic addition since he came from Atlanta United in the MLS. And Joe Linton is much maligned, you know, looks a bit too slow. But if Eddie Howe can get him playing, he can still be a force, again, to move people, to occupy people, to get centre-halves to attract to him, to allow the more dynamic, uh, the more powerful players to exploit behind and yeah I think it could be a really really good game as long as this you know this kind of COVID outbreak doesn't derail Leicester too much. Uh, because of that are we sort of treading carefully with regards to bets or have you got a, a few potential bets in mind? I've got a few in mind I think Leicester to win and both teams to score is a, is a good shout I think they're so dynamic I think Newcastle will really be looking for for that win and they'll be pushing hard to try and get it. And defensively, they're, they're way too exposed and open anyway. And also, there's an, there's an additional potential market with the card. So Leicester have only had one out of seven games where their team has had over two and a half cards, whereas Newcastle, it's five out of seven with over two and a half cards. And you know, with the both teams to score market, they're both number one in the league at 11, uh, 11 both teams to score and four no. So 11 out of 15 for both teams. They're joint number one in the league. So with Leicester, a little bit more quality as long as the COVID doesn't derail them. Again, 
little a little point there with both teams to score. That would on the over two and a half market return two two to one. If you wanted a you know bigger odds, again all the bets here are value. But if you wanted to be a bit riskier and go over three and a half, that would bring you seven to two. And then if you wanted to throw some cards in on the over two and a half market, Leicester to win both teams to score. Newcastle most cards, as I said before, that would return nine to two. So big odds there. And then if you wanted to go big, the big bumper to make you smile at the weekend, the Leicester to win both teams to score over three and a half goals. Newcastle most cards that would return a bumper seven to one. All of those are great value. But again, it's down to our punters to have a look at the Bet It Right website, have a tweak around, see what they feel most comfortable with and then say, right, do I want smaller odds for a you know a more guaranteed I'll say guaranteed return um or do I want to go bigger odds for that bigger return so all good value but have a play around with those options and, and see what sits yeah and just a reminder sign up to betterright.com and you can see all the information that Dean is talking about on on the podcast both on this episode earlier episodes and indeed future episodes but it's free to sign up head to betterright.com um, and and all the information is there. And I think actually the information that Bet It Right as a service offers is going to be really, really useful over the next few weeks and, and well, hopefully not, but potentially months because of something you've touched on a couple of times there with these outbreaks of COVID in squads. And we obviously have heard from you there about the the, the Leicester camp and the fact that there are um, players suffering, you know, first team players suffering with with COVID and illnesses, but it doesn't sound anywhere near as bad yet as Tottenham, who have got a, a crisis at the moment, and we don't know what's going on with the Brighton game, whether that game indeed will go ahead. But I just want to take this opportunity, Dean, if we can, to talk more generally about best approach for punters, for fans, with regards to these COVID outbreaks and how we and they can use Bet It Right most effectively to to um, operate successfully within these, what are pretty, well, I say unique times, but it's becoming the norm, unfortunately. But you know what I mean? It's difficult times, strange times. So, yeah. so how do we best go about this? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that we were going to talk about anyway. We discussed behind the scenes about how Christmas can impact with multiple games over such a short period of time. And teams often rotating players and understanding, okay, well, if they take those three players out, what's their XG value or how do teams perform when this starting 11 plays? And some squads like Manchester City have a much deeper squad. So when they make a few changes and rotations, which is fairly common, you won't see their outputs change as much as some other teams with smaller squads and players that are maybe of a, a little bit of a lower level coming in. So when you come to, to this with COVID, it's very similar. There's going to be some teams having to make changes, whether their game against Wren is postponed, whether that knocks on to this game being postponed. Um, you know, Conte in the defeat to Mura in the Conference League was, was fairly scathing of the players that came in. Wasn't very positive about their performance. And scathing? He said they were all rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I was being polite, OK? He said they're, like, terrible. The worst so bit of man management I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I know. Uh, it, and now it's one of those, right? Over Christmas and maybe COVID, he's got to go back into those players and say, hey, guys, you know what I said yeah. before about you being terrible? Um, do you want to play tonight? Like, yeah. can, you, can you still play? So that's something to consider, you know, with, with Tottenham specifically. But looking at COVID as a whole, when you go onto the Bet It Right website, 
you can go to individual players. We've done a lot of uh, focus on teams and matchups and leagues so far in our, in our three shows to date. But with the individual players, you can go to the tables, you can find individual players, you can see their outputs attacking and defending across a number of different metrics for defenders looking at interceptions, looking at tackles, amongst others. For attackers looking at passes, passes into the attacking third, looking at XG, chances created, dribbles. And you can kind of sit there and say, right, well, if these three or four players are missing, then and these three or four players are coming in, OK, well, let's have a look at what their outputs have been when they've played. For those teams like Manchester City, like I mentioned, the change will be minimal. For teams with smaller squads, with players that maybe don't bring as much value to the team, or from a defensive standpoint, maybe players that give up more XG than those defensive players going out. Brighton, a prime example. They will want this game to be cancelled because they're missing three centre-halves, Webster, Duffy, all out. So they're thinking, please, please, you know, get this game cancelled. Uh, so, yeah, going into the website, looking at individual players is, is massively important for, for bet-it-right punters when they're looking to build their bets over this difficult period. OK, that's really useful. I, I think, again, and sort of follow-up to that is that obviously having the big squad is, is important. And I, I just want to take this opportunity, if we can, Dean, to chat about uh, obviously the focus in this conversation will be about the bigger teams. But at the moment, all I hear is that Bernardo is the best player in the in the Premier League. And obviously Man City have got a raft of incredible players. But it, if this outbreak continues, then then is it obvious to say that sort of Chelsea, City, Liverpool will thrive just because they can call upon incredible players down to sort of the 23rd man in the squad, if you see what I mean? Yeah, well... I'll, I'll start with Liverpool first. You've got Nat Maldini now. <laughs> the Cruyff turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just Cruyff turning in his box, running <laughs> around San Siro, having a great time. And again, so I'm not man. a Liverpool fan. I'm not a Liverpool fan. <laughs> but when you're when you're throwing those players in and they're and they're winning games against a team that need to win to qualify in the Champions League, and you're away in the San Siro, it just shows you the standard of the squads now. You're not dropping in players. You know, like like we used to call kind of, you know, those secondary players where you throw you put them in and you think, oh God, you know, what when when's he going to make a mistake? Mm. These players are fighting for for first team spots, and with Man City, you've got those rotation players. Bernardo Silva used to be one of those rotation players. Sinchenko, Fernandinho now, given that he's getting a little bit older, even Jack Grealish, you know, they rotate and they twist the team around and they they set up for the for the opposition, and this puts them in a great spot. For, for the, both the Christmas period and if COVID has an impact on the squad. And like you mentioned, Bernardo Silva, six goals in his last seven games. The highest tackles at Manchester City, which is bizarre. And he's that player that kind of instigates the press. He's filled the pocket that David Silva left, you know, uh, when he retired, when he left Manchester City. And he over the last two seasons, and especially in the last half a dozen games, he has been just a, a, a brilliant player in a, in a, you know, one of the one of the best players in Europe, I guess, at the minute for, and it's not just his outputs either. It's not just the XG and the goals. It's everything. It's his dribbles. It's his receptions. He plays in the pocket so well between the lines, which is what Man City, what Man City need. And he's another player in there with you know some high interceptions. If you look at the tables on Bellet right, just the energy and the performance has been brilliant from him. I didn't think I'd ever say this given the start Salah's made, but is he is he the the, the best player in the league at the moment, do you think? Salah? 
No, it's Bernardo. Oh, okay. I thought you were going. I, I thought you were laying more Liverpool on me to. No, no, no. Well, well you probably have to answer with Salah. Um, maybe <laughs> I don't know what the numbers say, but but the reason I say that is now every FPL manager in the in the world needs Bernardo in the team. Those numbers that you say are important. Maybe not the best player in the league because because that might be quite tricky. Although it'll be interesting to know what the the our followers at BIR Insights think about that. Who who do they think is the best player in the league? But. But the most important asset to the team and what they're trying to do is Bernardo, say, more more important than, I don't know, a, a Mason Mount, a bad example, maybe a Salah at, at Liverpool. Do you see what I mean? Where where do you think Bernardo's level of importance is relative to other teams and other players? I think he's he's very important to the way that Manchester City play because he finds those pockets of space that Guardiola wants and his ability to receive in tight spaces to allow the pitch to be big for Sterling one side, Mares the other, if they're playing Jesus as a false nine. He's unbelievably good at receiving in those tight pockets. So he really fits the way that Guardiola wants City to play. And in a similar fashion, Salah perfectly matches the way that Klopp wants to play. So those players that are becoming the most important, and you can see that trend through the Premier League and in other leagues as well, it's when... A manager finds a player that really understands the formation, really understands the the work in and out of possession and can do it week after week after week. And for the last six weeks, Bernardo Silva's shown both in the Premier League and the Champions League that he's, he's one of the best players in Europe right now. Um, I think I touched on FPL. I think loads of people will put him in their, in their teams. The best thing is that Tottenham had a really easy run of games and one got called off because of the weather and then potentially they might not have a game against Brighton and loads of people in a league I'm in have got three Tottenham players, which is such, you know, obviously we wish everyone all right with the COVID, but... No, I guess which three? Is it Mora, Son and Kane? <laughs> no, you'd be amazed. Reggion, Dyer and Kane. Reggion and Dyer, I saw a lot. Anyway. So Reggion, Reggion's fair because that's their outlet, you know, Conte's gone into Tottenham and I think he's decided secretly or not so secretly as we know that the players aren't actually very good Well, he thinks that. <laughs> there's nothing secret about that well typically in his other jobs he's wanted to dominate possession whereas in his first few games as as Tottenham manager they've, they've averaged around 45 percent possession which is really bizarre so he's almost trying to dominate the game out of possession mm. uh, playing Tanganga as a as a right wing back for example um, and playing a double six with Skip and Hoiberg and essentially saying to Son, Mora and Kane, look, you're you're really good at football. Can you go and play? And all these other guys, they'll just kind of stand by the goal and block it off. And can you please win us the game? And then we'll kind of, you know, go home. It sounds like a sort of under sevens match when the bad yeah. players are just sort of on the posts. And they're yeah, like the cherry pickers. You go and stand over there <laughs> and let the other good kids play. Um, and yeah... That's the way that he seems to want to do it. When he was at Inter, he wanted to dominate possession. He had quality, same as Chelsea. Um, but here he's looking to play a little bit more on the counter and a little bit, you know, so using Reggion as, as an outlet more than the right. If Tanganga's there, that's more protection um, in front of Davinson Sanchez. Eric Dyer, I'm not really sure why anyone would put him in their fantasy league, but there we go. I think he's uh, cheap. <laughs> well, yeah. And actually, I, I, I retract that comment. I think that they, you know, they won't be giving up huge chances. Um, they've, I mean, they're number one for recency in the last four. They've only right. given up 0.23 goals from 0.86 XG. So actually, if you can get the game matchups right, 
And yeah. I think they should come out with quite a few clean sheets and nick games one or two nil uh, on the counter attack. Okay, interesting. We've looked at two games in depth there. We obviously earlier in the show looked at Liverpool, Villa, and and, and Leicester, Newcastle, and, and obviously given the sort of sensitivities around where the Brighton, Tottenham go ahead, we can't really provide any bets for that. But I hope you found that conversation not only about Tottenham but also about COVID and the approach during COVID, particularly by signing up to betitright.com. I hope you found that interesting. Thanks for that, Dean. We're going to move away from the Premier League now and um, turn our attentions in a few moments' time to the Championship. OK, Dean, we spoke about it last week, actually. Sheffield United being a team worth following and they're now in 10th and they're very much on the up, trending in the right direction. They're taking on QPR, who are in 5th. As I say, we discussed it last week, but again, it, it seems that the, um, the good times are, are coming back to Bramall Lane. Yeah, well, the good times seem to be at both clubs. QPR in the top six, not somewhere that they've been very often for the last few seasons. Sheffield United, two wins out of two for Paul Heckenbottom since moving up from the under-23s after his short run as manager last season. Before I talk about any statistics and stuff, I do want to mention that he recently got a contract until 2025-26. So if his agent watches this show... <laughs> Give me a ring. Talk to me about how you managed to get that because I really want to understand why, uh, you know, a club that deemed him to not be good enough to get the job before Jukanovic then decided that he is good enough and to give him a five-year deal. But there we go. Uh, what can we say? Football, as always. Slightly <laughs> it's different. mad, isn't it? It is. Um, but yeah, big, big upswing in their outputs in his first two games. Three goals against Cardiff from 3.1 XG. Two goals... Uh, against Bristol from 2.9 XG, so underperforming then. Um, and kind of up seasons to date, averaging only 1.22 goals from 1.46 XG. So a massive upswing in the in the first few games in charge and looking exciting. OK, so so positive um, trends for Sheffield United. What what, what are we looking at bets-wise against QPR? Well, QPR themselves have been in the goals as well. 8 out of 10 games over 2.5 away from home and 8 out of 10 games both teams to score both number one in the league in the championship so people wouldn't necessarily look at this and think oh you know a game with goals because of Sheffield United's performance season to date but since Heckenbottom's gone in massively more open starting to score a nice mixture of youth and experience and you know both teams are in the top five for passes into the attacking third so for me if I was going to call a potential bet in this game both teams to score an over 2.5 both good value, and you're going to get better than evens uh, if you're backing those two there. Uh, good stuff. Thanks for that. Right. Passport's out of the draw now. We're off to uh, to Europe. OK, before we focus on a specific match this week in Europe, um, and we'll focus on a, a game in La Liga in a moment, I just want a more general point to kick things off, Dean, about the amount of goals in certain leagues in Europe uh, last weekend. In in the Bundesliga, 41 goals, was it, I think, in nine 41, games? Yeah, nine games as well, given an 18-team really, league. Isn't it? Yeah, an average of 4.56. It's just crazy. I mean, there was a there was a 6-0 and a 7-1 in there, which tips it. But, yeah, it's and even in Serie A, 38, games in, 38 goals in 10 games, average of 3.8. It was a bumper goals weekend across Europe, yeah. unless... You're uh, interested in Spanish football, which, as always, <laughs> you know, is a snooze fest. Yeah. Liga, just for what it's worth, they had 29. Premier League had 27. And La Liga, 
18, which, as you say, it's um, <laughs> compared to the Bundesliga, um, puts them to shame. Um, well, that, well that, that's what we were talking about before, about Bet It Right and users using the website to learn about different leagues. And we have multiple other leagues as well out of the top five. If you want to learn about Mexico, if you want to learn about Argentina, if you want to learn about different leagues, you know, if you don't know much about Dutch football, but you know Ajax and you know Feyenoord, then maybe actually instead of doing the same bets every week, go and learn about a different league, learn which players are, you know, the top players in those leagues, which teams have both teams to score, which teams have overs, which team have unders. And then maybe there's there's some value to be found out there in, in other leagues that maybe people don't watch as much. And this week, it was a, is a great example that the top five, <clears throat> you know, the Premier League being only the fourth highest scoring league and uh, Liga and Serie A and Bundesliga providing great excitement. Yeah, and if you've got sort of a main Sky package, if you've got BT Sport, La Liga TV, you can get access now from your living room to pretty much most games in in those leagues, which is great. Uh, let's talk about a game in La Liga then, um, our focus for this week, and it is the Madrid derby. Sunday night, 8pm UK time, um, Real versus Atletico. Uh, I went to both stadiums recently to see them play. Um, I saw Atletico against Real Betis at the Wanda, and then I saw Real Madrid Shakhtar at the Bernabeu, and I am a fully signed up member to the Atletico Madrid fan club on the back of it. I thought it was brilliant there. So I'm rooting it's amazing, for them. right? Sorry? It is amazing, right? The, the, that that stadium genuinely was one of the best experiences I've had at a football match. It was phenomenal. It really was. <laughs> and the Bernabeu, I thought, was a bit flat, to be honest. The atmosphere was just a load of people whistling and waving white flags. It was just not very exciting. But Yeah, the, the Atletico Madrid stadium, the way it's been built with the hole in the middle and the sides being slightly open, but the concertina roof, the sound in there is just un, unreal. I, yeah. Just, you know, everyone's iPhone, everyone's iPhones, iWatches going off with noise, you know, decibels. It's like you're at a rock concert. Yeah. Everyone whistling, everyone going crazy. Any VAR, Simeone on the touchline as well. <clears throat> Orchestrating the crowd with his arms when he wants them to be loud, raising his arms when he wants them to be quiet. You know, it's like being at the Sydney Opera House. It's amazing. Yeah. Wait there. Because one thing I got, when I, you think he's on the touchline for Atletico games? Look, he's on the touchline when we record the podcast. I got the gaffer watching over. Me. I got given that when I left the stadium. <laughs> so he's watching over me all the time as well. Um, can I have a look at? Can I have a look at his hair, Ollie? Yeah, he's got slightly more hair actually. Yeah, it's not as. It doesn't look as gelled, um, no. and he looks a lot happier as a doll. Yeah. Than he does for, as a human being. <laughs> for those that are listening to this just as a podcast, I, I've shown them my Diego Simeone sort of cuddly toy that I got given as I left the stadium, which watches over me all the time. Anyway, uh, will Diego be celebrating this weekend, do we think? Is it uh, is it one that Atletico can get back on track in La Liga with or mm. Real Madrid's dominance? I think they're now eight points clear. Is that going to come to fruition again? Yeah, eight points clear, 10 points ahead of Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid. Nine wins in a row, unbeaten in 10. Really the form team in La Liga. Atletico Madrid haven't won this fixture since the 27th of February 2016. So the omens are not great. Typically a draw or a very narrow win for Real Madrid outside of cup competitions and the Super League and kind of the World Cup where I think they won 7-3, that kind of uh, World Club Championship game. Uh, they've fared a lot better in the European matchups and cup matchups than they have in the league and 
It's going to be a tough one, but really interestingly, this season, it seems that Diego Simeone has decided after a number of seasons that he just wants to be a little bit more attacking and be a bit more open. And this game hasn't seen over two and a half goals since September 2014, which is just bizarre wow. when Atletico Madrid won 2-1. But I, I'm predicting goals this weekend because Vinicius Jr. is is just having, he's finally turned into the player that everyone thought he was when he first joined. Madrid, obviously, they're going to go after the game. They want their unbeaten record. They want another clean sheet. And really surprisingly, this season under Simeone, Atletico Madrid are one of only three La Liga teams away from home yet to have a clean sheet, which it, to me is baffling. You, you know how Simeone's been, right? Yeah, like historically, that just sounds crazy to think that, right? Yeah, but I mean, they have had a couple of injuries. Jimenez, Hermosa missing. They've played around with the formation. Condogbia playing centre-half. They played three at the back return of Griezmann so it hasn't been smooth but for them to be giving up as many chances and goals and being as open as they have been is really surprising so for me I think this game will be a lot more open than than previous seasons and I think this could be a game where there's goals at both ends okay so the 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 angles that we're looking at are obviously both teams to score and overs is that fair yeah I think so uh, Real Madrid seven out of 11 games over two and a half both teams to score it in four of seven. Uh, Atletico Madrid, eight out of 11 games over 2.5 and both teams to score in six out of seven. And looking at the Atletico Madrid outputs this season, 1.94 goals from, from 1.31 XG uh, compared to last year when it was only 1.12 goals from 1.1 XG. So they're clearly more attacking, more aggressive. And they're, you know, they're conceding 1.29 goals this season against 0.78 last year where they were had the second best defence in the league. So I think for this one, both teams to score over 2.5, throw it into a double. You're looking to get around 13 to 10 uh, in the in the current market prices. And let's hope there's goals and we can wake up and we can increase that average from 1.8 goals per game, as we saw last weekend in the snooze fest. And we can kind of get La Liga rolling again. OK, time to give you your weekly news roundup. And starting in Germany, Jude Bellingham picked up a fine of €40,000 for criticising the decision to appoint the referee who took charge of the Classiker. The referee in question was Felix Zweier, and he'd previously been found guilty of match-fixing in 2005. Uh, Atalanta beat Napoli in Serie A on Saturday evening, making it a four-horse title race, seemingly, with AC into Napoli and Atalanta all within four points of each other. Uh, Ligan Akers wouldn't have been too successful this week with PSG, Marseille, Lyon, Lens and Nice all failing to win. And should just give a mention to a decent game in France this weekend as Strasbourg are at home to Marseille on Sunday. Now, Strasbourg have scored 23 goals at home this season. And along with Bayern, that's a record in Europe across the top leagues. So something to bear in mind ahead of what could be an exciting fixture in France. And finally, and Dean mentioned it a few moments ago, that Real Madrid have opened up an eight-point lead at the top of La Liga after they beat Sociedad and Atletico lost at home to Mallorca. So that is a look at what's been going on in the football world around Europe this week. Next up for us, uh, the bit that many of you have been waiting for, the best bets in the weekend ACA. OK, Dean, we've looked at some of the uh, the big games coming up around Europe this week and um, focus on the Premier League as always as well. So what do we reckon is the best bet this weekend on the back of your winning selection last week? 
We won't talk about the week before. As a paid-up member of the Liverpool fan club, as we know, the bet of the day is going to be Liverpool and over 2.5. So as a joint bet, Liverpool and over 2.5 is my call for bet of the day. And I've never said this before, but come on, Liverpool. <laughs> See, honestly, I'm, I'm going to... I've got a pain in my chest. <laughs> Think, yeah, as we said again, I think we've learned an all. I think hopefully our listeners and viewers have learned an awful lot about bet it right, about football data, about matchups for this weekend. But I think the, one of the key takeaways would be that, that Dean Selby, ladies and gentlemen, is a Liverpool fan. Okay, um, will they feature? Will they feature in your weekend acker this weekend? Yes, <laughs> along with along with. Along with, so I have four game acker of the weekend. We are going for Arsenal to beat Southampton, Liverpool, go on Liverpool, to beat Villa, <laughs> Stoke to beat Middlesbrough, and Fiorentina to beat Salernitana in Serie A. That's our four-team acker of the week. So, yeah, Arsenal, Liverpool, Stoke, Fiorentina. OK, we'll track that over the weekend. And as we heard a few moments ago, Liverpool featuring the best bets of the weekend as well. Right, Dean, thank you very much, um, as always. I hope you enjoyed it. It was, as as it always is, very informative and, and a delight to listen to. And I hope and I'm sure that um, it will be a profitable listen as well. So thank you very much for that, mate. Yeah, had a great time. Good luck to all our punters for this weekend. Make sure you sign up, betitright.com and get those bets rolling. Yeah, and make sure you keep an eye on BIR Insights Twitter account as well, because as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they've been firing in the winners and we'll have tips across a variety of games over the course of the next few days. So um, from myself, Ollie Bell, and from uh, Liverpool's very own Dean Selby, thank you once again for listening to the Bet It Right show. Tell your friends, oh. <laughs> tell everyone about it, sign up to Bet It Right, like, I love you, Rafa. <laughs> like you, Rafa. subscribe and rate us, shut up you. <laughs> and we'll be back same time same place next week but from all of us be lucky and make sure you bet better with bet it right <laughs>